You are now listening to Pole Hook Golf, an unfiltered golf podcast taking you inside the ropes with unfiltered stories, insights, analysis, and exclusive interviews. Welcome back, everybody, to Pole Hook Golf, the podcast. I'm Matt Cook. This is Bobby Brown, and we are back for another exciting week. We're recording a little bit differently tonight. You might be able to hear a little bit of raspiness in my voice, and that's because I just got married. So (laughs) that was a fun ride. It was over in the blink of an eye. I mean, got the ring and everything if you're watching on the YouTube channel. Oh, my goodness. It was an absolute blast, Bobby. But um, we're recording this one on Sunday, March 5th. Um, So you just wrapped up the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So we'll talk about that a little bit. We'll talk about the upcoming Players Championship. And then we've got some PGA Tour changes that are happening for next season. So we'll dive into those a little bit as well. But, Bobby, how was your week? It was, you know, it was, I hate to say I had five weeks in a row of a short week, but it was a, it was a a short week with a lot of positives to come out of that week, more positive than any other of these past five weeks that we've been uh, struggling through. We had a really good, we had a really good Friday and some, some really tough conditions. We saw some putts go in. Uh, I saw some major improvements to some things that needed to be improved upon with him. I'll tell you, we teed off on Thursday and we were playing pretty good through 10 holes. I think we we're even par and uh, number 11 is a pretty good, pretty good hole, pretty good hole out there. You've probably seen it on TV a million times. And we had 104, we had 147 yards with a little downwind out of the right. He hits his pitching wedge 143 and he shanked his pitching wedge about 60 yards dead right into the rough, got posted up behind a tree, um, made a double bogey, was kind of deflating, and, uh, and, and made a few more bogeys coming in. So there it is, fucking first round, you're five over par. And, and uh, we knew that conditions were going to be super tough on Friday. We were kind of excited. They were anticipating 30 to 40 mile an hour winds, which – they got close to 30, but we got a text message from the tour when we were warming up that they were just going to single cut the greens and water them quite a bit to protect from the golf course getting away from them. And came out, you know, thinking the cut was probably going to be a couple over, but if it was really, really bad, it could go to three over or four over. So you got a glimmer of a hope, right, Matt? Yeah. And you got a glimmer of and you got a glimmer of hope when he pours in a when 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 your pro reaches out to you, and I'll share some personal information reaches out to you after another bound round on Thursday and you get a text message like, okay, I've had it. I've had it now. Something needs to change. What do you have any suggestions, Bob, any tweaks or changes? And, um, I was a little frustrated Thursday round after Thursday's round when I walked by the putting green and I saw the guys that, um, didn't play good, um, later in the evening or did play good and were working on their game to try and get better and try and improve. Right. And I felt like we were lacking in that. So I had mentioned that to him that it was okay to practice after a round. And I told him the most important thing that I noticed, Matt, and he's been struggling with the putter for so long now. And I, and I, and you know, and I felt confident saying it and I'm like, Hey, your routine, your routine has gone to shit is basically what I said. I said, you're not taking your time reading your putts. You're plumb bobbing. You're looking at it from maybe behind the hole. And maybe once in a while when you don't know, you, you know, you're going to a different angle. But I just thought his process was completely off. And I feel like sometimes when guys start putting bad, when they get into a rut, like he's been in a rut, Matt, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but they kind of rush putt everything, right? Because mm-hmm. they're frustrated and they're kind of over it. They're not taking their time. They're like, well, if this goes in, it goes in and maybe I'll start making putts. But that's not really what, that's not really how you fix that, right? You got to get back, you got to get back to basics. So he kind of sent me a text message back and he's like, you're right. I've always been a really good putter my whole career and I don't like overreading things because I kind of go by feel and that kind of stuff. And, you know, and that hadn't been working. So he came out there Friday and I just saw him grind on every putt map. Like he was trying to win a golf tournament and he putted fantastic. I think in bad conditions, he made putt, he made 
Um, he made five birdies. Um, and like I said, once, once you roll in a 40 footer right off the bat, it probably propels you to some confidence. But the most important thing that I noticed was he was making everything inside of five feet. He probably made 11 or 12 putts inside of five feet. Wow. And they were going in, they were going in with make speed. You know what make yep. speed is, right? They're not dripping in or, or catching edges. They're going in with a little pace and a little confidence right in the middle. And honestly, we, he played great, man. He fought it back all the way to three over, and it was literally blowing 35 miles an hour, finishing on six, seven, eight, and nine for us, which are wow. pretty are pretty tough holes. So we got to three over, and for sure the cut was going to three over in those conditions, right? And I was thinking it might go to four, and you know you stand up to 18, and maybe it's a little nervous, but he drove it into the right trees, and we had to chip out, and he stuffed a wedge to about – I don't know, six feet above the hole, but it was a brutal six footer above the hole, probably stepping at like 13 downwind. So it's a toe tapper, a six footer that snaps about, oh, probably snaps about a pot and he missed about a foot and he missed it on the, he missed it on the low side and we went to four over and I wasn't too upset because I just had a good feeling all day long, like something good was going to happen. Um, and I assumed that would be making the cut and making the weekend, but it did not work out that way. We caught nine straight into the wind blowing about 40 and he roped a driver there. And we usually hit about a six or a seven iron into that. And we had to try and pierce a drawing two iron. He got it into the front bunker, made a great up and down. So at that point you're like, man, this cuts already at one. And we were the first group off for sure. It's going to three, possibly going to four. And they kept getting the wins, but they didn't get them. I don't think as bad. It's funny. I talked to my son. I go, oh, it's start, it shut down on you guys out there. And he just started laughing at me. He's like, dad, it was coming and going at 30 miles an hour all day. So the officials did a good job of shortening up the golf course due to that and, and not watering the greens. So I was, you know, we missed the cut, but I was excited to get going. I was excited to get going, to, to get going this week because now he's, because now I told him, I go, okay, things aren't working the way that you want to do it now. Now, I've always been super hands-on and opinionated with my players in the past. Like, I can, you, you know, you have a coach, you have an agent, you have this. They can tell you what's broken or what, what needs to be done and that kind of stuff. But the fact is, is I'm the fucking dude that's standing next to you every day for a year and a half when things are good, when things are mediocre, and when things are shit. Things are shit right now. So I just kind of scripted out a game plan. I go, give me fucking two weeks. I'm going to dictate our practice sessions. We're going we're, we're gonna to practice after rounds. We're going to be more serious in our, in our practice rounds. Like, like we, he's so much with the program. He, I got him to get out of there. I picked him up at his hotel in Orlando uh, early this morning. We came down, we jammed down here, hit some balls and played quick and played a quick nine holes. Cause we wanted to rush back and see, and see my son want to see Pearson Cootie have a chance to win. Right. So, so we played nine holes. Um, uh, and we did a little birdie bogey game for five bucks, you know, just something to keep his interest in there. He made nine straight pars. This golf course is in mint shape. So it was, it was a shitty, it was a shitty short week with a lot of positives to be taken out of it and, and, and a lot of excitement. So I'm looking forward to this week quite a bit. Matt, what did you do this week? And <laughs> what did you do this weekend to lose your voice? My goodness. <laughs> we had just a amazing wedding that, you know, when you're kind of leading into it. And I feel yeah. like one of the things that we didn't do was bring in a wedding planner. Because Alyssa's really good with planning and everything. And so we had like a yeah. day of coordinator. Right. Sure enough, we... Everybody was stressed leading into the wedding. We're like, oh, no, like there's so many different pieces, so many different moving parts. And then once we got into the entire flow of everything, the rehearsal on Friday was fantastic. We had a great dinner uh, that my parents set up at a restaurant that overlooked a golf course, had the lake out there. So we were outside and just a fantastic time with our family and friends. And then, you know, the wedding comes Saturday and gosh, man, when people tell you to take it in and really take a step back, take a moment and don't allow everything just to pass by, they're spot on because mm -hmm. it goes by in a flash. I mean, next thing you know, we're on the party bus heading to the after party. And yeah. my goodness, we I feel like we didn't get home till 5 a.m., which was this right. morning. So that's you sound why like the, it. That's why Sound the like voice that. is raspy. Uh, we had a great brunch this morning. And, man, I'll tell you right now, I, I am the luckiest man in the world. 
Alyssa is just an incredible, incredible girl. And I don't know how I pulled it off. I, I think the theme amongst me and my buddies was, how did I pull off this bamboozlement? Because right. <laughs> for me to get her, I definitely swung up and uh, definitely got lucky. So I'm glad that Congrats. it is all uh, completed. Thank you. And now it's off to the honeymoon. So here yeah. we come, Mexico. We were just talking yeah. about we're going to be going right. by uh, Mayakova down there. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm really looking yeah. forward to it. I haven't that... been down there in years. Well, let me know how crowded that airport was. I heard the live tournament had so many people that they're still just trying to get them out of town. So it's <laughs> probably going to be very, you know, hectic for you getting through baggage claim with all those fucking lines. All 25 coming out the door. Yeah. And <laughs> no speak English, senor. <laughs> well, you'll have fun there. Congratulations. Congratulations Thank to you. Alyssa, too. I'm sure. Um, memories of a lifetime right there. One really another is. step in the another step in the life of oh, Matt. Now look at Alyssa Cook. What? what? So the venue's in the middle of the desert. Like it's yeah. three three major lots that go up against what I like to refer to as a rock formation because people out here are like to say, oh, that's a mountain. Oh, how'd you guys get so close to a beautiful mountain? I'm like, I'm from New York. Right. That's not a mountain. Like, right. That's just not. Um, it's right. a rock formation. And in the middle of the desert, Bobby, Yeah. we're walking out there with the photographer, videographer, and all of a sudden I look, and there's this old, like, flaky golf ball. Just sitting mm. out there in the middle of the desert. Now, there's nothing around. So we're like, wow. how in the hell did this get here? And I pick uh -huh. it up. And sure enough, it's top, It's a top flight one XL3000. Right. I'm like, oh, this shit's wow. old. So yeah, uh, that was kind of a little bit of an omen out there. A little golf. Yeah, omen. it was. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. It should last forever, I guess. That's what, that's the way it's Well, saying. let's hang on Wait, to I, it. Let's, let's hope yeah, it doesn't you, just flake away completely. You, you're going to get free golf on the weekends for at least two years of this relationship. I promise you that. <laughs> what else oh, is happening? I love it. Oh, well, we had the uh, Arnold Palmer Invitational that you were just talking about. Yeah. And I got to give you credit. I hate yeah. giving you credit, but God damn wow, it, do I have give to credit. give you credit? I, uh, I fucking nailed it. I you nailed did. it. You called it, Bobby. You said Kirk Kitayama will be the breakout player of the year this year. I did. And sure did. enough, who won the Arnold Palmer Invitational oh, there, Bobby? I know. What a grinder. Kirk Kitayama. Uh, that was a quick answer for me on that rapid fire you did, but breakout mm -hmm. player of the year. No, you know, I got to see him up close last year. I know some people that are close to him in Vegas, David Lipsky, some players and that kind of stuff. And they've been raving about him for a while and his bulldog, bulldog, tenacious underdog attitude. And he absolutely smashes it, right? He, he can roll the pills. So that is a good, that is a good thing. I know, I think he's had three seconds already this year and Rory clipped him at the CJ cup, but the, but he recently went through a caddy change. He recently got Tim Tucker on his bag, who was Bryson's guy for forever and did all the good with Bryson. And if you, you know, if you get a guy like Tim Tucker with the, the, that experience in those big time situations, he can be a common influence. And let's be honest, if you can fucking caddy for Bryson, for three or four or five years and win all those tournaments, you can caddy for fucking anybody, for anybody. right? Be because he's, he by far is the toughest bag. So he would always constantly take shit from Bryson when things weren't going good. So, you know, he's qualified for the job. And it's funny. I don't, I, I did know his older caddy for his, his original caddy. I, I can't think of his name on a first day basis. We were just friendly and chatted and that kind of stuff. But, you know, Kurt started, yeah, an acquaintance and start, Kurt started, poking up last year i think i think his rookie year he actually missed like a handful of cuts in a row something crazy and then he started to get into his groove but i was i remember watching him at this past pebble beach on tv on sunday and he didn't have his a shit he was very uncomfortable he was hitting it everywhere he's making some funky ass swings you know he's got some funky action but if you look at him where he you know where how he sets up when he's here and where he gets down and drives with his power i mean he's in all He's in all the right positions, and he's certainly in a 2023 modern-day position oh, everywhere yeah. he needs to be. But I, it's funny. I didn't know about the caddy change until we got to Scottsdale, but I remember sensing some kind of something was wrong out there because every time he would hit a bad shot, you know. So the scouting report on him I've gotten from other players is that he is a tough bag. 
he's a tough bag, which which Tim can deal with quite well. He's probably the best at it in the world. He's a tough bag for the reason that he wants you all in on everything, right? And as soon as you call something wrong or something like that, he's going to let you know about it. You're going to be the fall guy, whatever. But I sense that there was something off with him and his caddy at Pebble on that Sunday when he shot a wad yep. and he had a chance to win. And then it's funny, I was walking around Scottsdale on Monday and I ran into – I ran into Tim, and it's funny how TV reports things the wrong way. They, I was watching this weekend where they were saying the reason they got connected is because um, I think Kurt's brother caddies up at uh, – um, oh, what's the famous course up in Oregon? What's the famous course? Banded Dudes. Every, Banded Dudes. And he has a caddy up there, and that's they got connected. That's really not the case because I saw Tim on Monday – and he goes, I actually got a phone call last night on Sunday night from Chris Como, who I, I'm assuming is Kitty's coach, saying, hey, he made, he made a quick change and that kind of stuff. And, and uh, you, you know, it didn't happen with me and Sungjae, but sometimes when you get those quick changes, good things mm -hmm. happen. And you can see it because there's a different face on the bag. And, and if Kurt hadn't finishing, been finishing these tournaments off, maybe he was looking for a little more from his caddy in those situations instead of, you, you know, and I'm not saying this guy would get quiet or something under pressure, but but maybe just a change of face, you know, did the trick. And and who knows if it didn't? It def, it definitely didn't hurt. But it was an impressive win, man. He looked he looked great out there all week. Jesus Christ, he had two balls out of bounds. He had a ball out of bounds on on five. Yeah, it's five. The first par five on the front. And and if if you've never been there before, that's a bit that, that that's missing your target by 60 or 70 or 80 yards to the right. Anyone in the house as he makes double there. Um, if anybody was watching today, he made a triple on nine today. Um, he whipped it left and it got the cart path is actually sits up next to the range. And if you're left to the cart, he literally was out of bounds by an inch. But he didn't. I read I heard his post round press presser today and he was talking about how the, there's a long walk from nine to ten right you have to go across the driving range in front of a bunch of people and that's a perfect time when something like that happens for an experienced caddy to get in them in there and let him know saying hey we are one shot off the lead you know if we you know it's that same old story if we'd have been if you'd have said when we were playing a practice round on wednesday or playing our first round on thursday hey you're going to be one shot off the lead at arnie's house with nine holes to go, will you take it no matter what Absolutely. the scenario is? And I think that's what was discussed. So that's a veteran caddy going in there and calming his man down. And I heard Kitayama said, fuck, I knew I was playing good. I wasn't that bad. It was just, I made a bad swing at the bad time. And, you, you know, and I made a triple and, you know, nobody does much the last two hours at Bay Hill, the golf course. I was, I was prepping my son. We'll talk about his awesome fucking sick week. <laughs> here in a few minutes but i was prepping my son i'm like this golf course turns like no other that i've ever seen before you know it's just it's automatic that it's the hardest golf course on the pga tour it's the hardest finishing holes i mean 17 and 16 is kind of a duck the par five that's your only breath of fresh air but when you get to you know 14 that these greens aren't really holdable unless you spin it a lot and hit the proper trajectory and you and you end at some point spots when you get out of position but he was the only guy to get it done and make that putt on 17 and they drove it in left rough on 18 and that rough is nasty and somehow he had the angle and he's and i'll tell you what that's the difference between working for a guy like troy merritt kirk katayama who is fucking strong with speed right the rough is is an issue but it's not like a chip out issue like it would be for for some of some of the guys out most of the guys out on tour those big strong athletes can get through it and control their distance and control their and control their speed through that rough again just get through it a lot better but hats off to him against a fucking stack leaderboard i mean come on geez look at the look at the name it's funny when we were making our penny bet i was i was naming off the names that i remember because i didn't know who you were who you were going to take but i was rory terrell hatton who else did i think keegan bradley was one of my guys they all came out of the same wave they're all gamers and have played good had been in contention there before or won before I think I even threw Tommy Fleetwood in. I think he made the cut and finished 55th or 56th or something like that, just off the angle of, you know, him going in and out to see Butch. But it was a very entertaining tournament to watch. I never I, – I, it's never a dull moment. I hate watching it on TV, not being in contention. And I really have never been in contention there, but maybe a couple times some years back. But, man, it was exciting. And there's a new – and he's, here's our breakout player of the year, a win in three seconds, I mean, on the PGA Tour. And nobody knows – other. nobody really knows who Kirk Kitayama is, right? UNLV didn't make the team, I think, freshman year. They called him the project. His, his, 
You know the story, his other teammates called him the project because they knew he could play, but he, he really couldn't play at that time. And they all got together and kind of molded him as a player at UNLV. And he went over and played every tour across the world that you could play. And, and here it is, $3.6 million, 360 grand. How cool is that? Fuck, I was what kind of ch- I always like to watch these guys that go to what after the uh, a guy like that when he goes Yahtzee for the first time out here, like because it's fucking big life changing money, right? I always I always like watching them walk off the putting green, like their reactions. Like, do they ever think I just won 3.6 million fucking dollars? Oh, you know, and, that's going and, through their head, it has to, right? Absolutely. I mean, they're human beings. They're human beings, but a good good job for Tim Tucker. I'm going to say it again, man. He's a great caddy. I, I worked with him. I'll never forget it. At Tam- we have Tampa coming up here in a couple of weeks, and I want to say his first time he ever caddied was for a guy named Tyler Aldridge. And I, I think I've told this story on a way early episode, and I got paired with him, and he had never really caddied in a tour event before. Kyle was hitting in fairway bunkers, and usually – you know, other caddies will take care of bunkers for caddies so they don't fall behind and that kind of stuff. And I remember getting on him a little bit about that during the round. I probably wasn't having a good day. And uh, we turned into good friends since then. And it, it's no coincidence that he gets guys that win, right? Some guys get guys that win. But there, there was a more exciting – I like that quote. Some guys get yeah, guys that win. get guys that win. They do. <laughs> but there was a more exciting story out there this week for me, yes. and that was obviously the rise. And it's funny – I didn't know you were going to name that episode that, but how apropos that you did at that time and, and Pearson Cootie gets into the mix and has a, and has a chance to win. So good on you. Hey, Chalk I that one up to me. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good one. So, you know, I told you I caddy for him in the practice ramp in the, the, in the, in the pro on Monday and the sound that the ball made coming off the club face. And I'm like, Oh my God, now I know why my son did not go to the Sung Jay in bag. And they had a, they had a solid, thursday a solid friday and they they made the cut i think at, well, the cut was two over they made the cut at one over and um and i went to bed friday night and i told my son i'm like i'm gonna go watch you guys play first time i ever seen my son caddy or really you know really yeah, never yeah because you're caddy and normally like same times he is yeah it's, yeah exactly so i i literally rolled and he, they were paired with lipsky too who's one of my best buddies so i'm like well i gotta go watch this right so i literally rolled out of the fucking rack didn't take a shower or anything i'm wearing <laughs> Jordan shorts are going below my knees. Lipsky said I look like a cholo from Azusa out there. I had my 11 lows on. I had Hell this. Yeah. It's literally the outfit I wore to bed the night before last. And I had the, and I had the pods hat off. So I picked him up on, on one fairway. Um, they had already hit their tee shot. And I told you he could manhandle some of these corners, right? And I was, I was, I was coming around the turn there looking to see where his drive was. And I saw he got a fucking bomb off there. I think he actually missed the green short. He got up and down. And then two is a really good par three. Anyways, to make a long story short, he stuffed it on two. Um, he didn't make it. And then I was kind of hanging out with his parents, and I met his girlfriend. And we were talking about some things. And then he buried one on three. And the next thing you know, I'm fucking watching him go fucking crazy out there. And I'm fist pumping, and I'm texting Troy. <laughs> and he hits a shot into nine to about a fucking foot or a foot and a half i still doesn't don't know how he got at that fucking flag with that club but somehow this kid did it and he turned in five under and i told troy i go god damn it i'm i'm happy and i'm not happy because my plan was to just come out from nine holes and then go back and take a shower or something (laughs) you know so i had to continue on right and um uh, they made a nice par on 10 they made a strategic play to lay back on 10 because it was a front pin total veteran caddy move on daniel's part right there talking into that i like it and then 11 he hits a driver that's the tough driving hole i was talking about with one on the left 11 i'm staying way out there about 320 yards away and i he hits his tee shot i can't tell where he's going but he's leaning left and i'm like oh fuck this is close to the water and it ends up in the first cut so i get way out but behind him it's a back this is the great story of the week right it's a back pin right and they're in the first cut and you can see that him and daniel are are talking more than they usually had been talking early it had been going what you know easy obviously club selection was easy early in the day but they were debating on something so i'm standing over this green and uh, i had dustin one year airmail this fucking green with a wedge from from the left first cut so this is how ironic this is and he was trying to win the golf tournament and he hit it in the bushes ended up taking triple and we finished the round and ended up finishing 20 something he's like ball i'm never coming back to this course bro it's too fucking hard for me man i can't take it I had good shots and end up in bad spots. I'll never forget it. 
Good so anyways, he hits spots. good shots and bad <laughs> spots. Isn't that golf, man? And he, they hit this wedge, you know, and I'm like, where the fuck is this thing? And I'm standing behind the ropes. And there's a shot link tower behind me. And then there's all the bushes. And it fucking one hops, air mails the green. They get a first cut jumper. It nicks the side of my leg. Right, it nicks the side of my leg and deflects it into the shot lane thing, and it comes racing back across the bath just over the green. Right, and I'm like, I'm like, I almost got fucking nailed, but I think because I was standing there, this ball would have gone into the bushes. Right, oh, we, we have and, a controversy here. <laughs> you, why you're going to create a conspiracy theory that you why? kicked the ball onto the green? <laughs> no. No, it just ricocheted. It just ricocheted on. It scared the fuck out of me, is what it did. And uh, and he got a draw. He got a drop off the path. And he made path, and he made four. But I'm like, oh, this is when it could get squirrely. I was sensing it could get squirrely here. And so I I marched up on. Um, uh, uh, I'm not taking credit for that, but how weird that I'm standing in that spot. And my son's on the bag, and that's something like that. And that fluke break. It's just unbelievable. Like that. I, I fucking it was tripping me out. So I went up to 12 as this hittable par five for a guy like him. And I'm standing fucking 40 yards in the, in, in the uh, right rough, which is a popular spot to miss. And um, uh, I get up there and I notice, and he hits it. He, he, his routine, I notice his routine's quicker than it, than it was before, you know? And he hits a ball and I'm telling by his body language, it could go anywhere. And I'm like, oh my fucking God, I'm going to get hit again, right? This thing <laughs> fucking is going to TKO me at three, 320. But he hits it 30 yards left into the left rough, makes a par. Um, uh, Nixon makes another par scrambling on the next hole. Um, pars 14, and then and and I'm like, oh, they're hanging on for dear life. I got to get out of here now. I think I'm bad luck. Good luck to bad luck. Anyways, I think they made a bogey and another, and birdie the last coming in to shoot six under and lap everybody. Right, just fucking go out in the morning, lap everybody, and it was a fun night Saturday night. You know, because the kid had. To, the kid had a chance to win. Did I mention this is a twenty million dollar person? My son's been caddying. Yeah, right. He's probably done thirty or forty PGA Tour events, but he's been a, he's been the guy on the Corn Ferry Tour for he'll tell you six years. I think it's only five. <laughs> I think he's being dramatic about that. But you know, he's been playing for these million dollar purses and eight hundred thousand dollar purses, and I could, you know, I couldn't think of anything good to tell him other than. You know, this is what you've been doing every day for the last five years. The people are different and the golf course is different. Other than that, everything's the same. I get nervous all the time on the first tee in contention. It's a fucking fact. I think we all do until you walk off and you get away from everybody and you settle down and, and you get into the zone. But I was trying to prepare for the conditions because they had caught, you know, receptive conditions two days in a row. And, of course, the pairings come out and who do they get? JT and Bones, right? So that just elevates my son's nerves and I'm sure Pearson's nerves through the roof because that is like, you know, there are a million people out there. This is a big tournament. This is like a fucking major to us. If you win Bay Hill, it's iconic, right? Yeah, the yeah. red sweater. Tiger eight times. Tiger's won that tournament eight times. That's insane. Rory. Isn't that just insane? Oh, and it always seemed like half of them were the same pot on the back yeah. right pin, right? He would bury some 25 or some 30 foot or so, <laughs> you know, I, I, I wanted to go out and watch today, but, 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 you know, my first and foremost is to get Troy on the plan. So we whipped through those nine holes real quick and I came back and I watched every shot and, you know, and I think my son knows, <coughs> excuse me, um, uh, you know, you don't, if you back up that round, like you had yesterday, you're going to win the golf tournament. Right. But the fact is, is 90% of the time you don't back out, you don't back up rounds like that at big boy, exactly. at big boy tracks. It just, and, and if you listen to commentators on TV, they'll tell you the key to Bay Hill or having a chance to wave, wave Bay Hill is getting through three rounds, pretty solid and having one firecracker around and they had the firecracker around. So they battled all day long. They were five under, they were even, they were even, they made a birdie, I think on, 16 to get to six under and i think i jinxed him because i i text my brother gary who lives there in desert ridge that i yeah. stay with it's very that's very close it's like a second father to my son daniel and i told him i go birdie birdie and they win because i thought eight under was going to do it right i go birdie birdie they win you know birdie par they're sweating it out and and, and i said and as a parent i'll take par par get the horsey to the barn kind of thing <laughs> and, and take a great take a, a top 10 but they ended up bogeying 17 and 18 coming in but they finished tied for 14th um At four besides under. the yeah yeah four under which is fantastic so i'll just do it in caddy i'll do the finances in caddy terms that's 
you know, Pearson Cootie makes three. You know, when I was cracking up early in the week, I was listening to Pearson Cootie. I, this is an offbeat story, but I'm going to sneeze here in a second. It's coming. <laughs> um, uh, I was listening to Pearson Cootie talking to he, um, uh, Nick and the TaylorMade rep about booking hotel rooms. <coughs> Excuse me. There it is. <laughs> Getting comfortable on the road. And I heard him tell Nick, he's like, yeah, I had to make a credit card payment because I only have $4,000 limit on my credit card. How, what, what? What a fresh thing that is to hear out here on the PGA Tour. <laughs> and I got to chuckle at that, right? The kids, kids, kids probably – I'm sure he got – never asked my son this, but he's so highly regarded coming out of college. I'm sure they're – with all his deals together or something, it has to be around seven figures, right? But here's the perfect example of why the PGA Tour and Live, you can't compare apples and oranges because this kid grew up – Charles Cootie's his grandfather – won the Masters. This kid grew up wanting to compete on the PGA Tour and win big tournaments on the PGA Tour. And he's just in that stage right now where he's got a $4,000 limit on his credit card. Life is good. It's just all golf. There's nothing else involved in his life right now, right? So he makes three hundred twenty-five grand for finishing uh, tied for 14th. Can you imagine that? Tied for 14th, three hundred twenty-five grand. So it's a nice mid-20,000 something lick for my son along with an 18 or $20,000 lick for him when they won Panama. So now all of a sudden my, my son doesn't have stress, right? Every year he's had the best player on the corn Ferry tour, one of the best players, but he's, I, I talk to him every couple of weeks or every week and it's stress, right? It's always financial stress, uh -huh. making ends meet, booking things ahead of time, maxing out your credit cards. It's never ending for the corn Ferry tour guys. So now he's got some space and he's got some breathing room and I'm just so, I'm just so proud the way he handled himself. And he told me, he goes, dad, I couldn't even feel my legs on the fucking first tee. I, <laughs> I, I, I was fine. Once I got the first number, right on the first hole, I wasn't that nervous. Um, you know, he was paired with bones. I don't think it went, I'm not going to get into any specifics because I'm pretty good friends with bones, but he said it didn't go as planned as far as making them everybody being cool or whatever. Something happened during the round. I'll try and find out some more details later. Maybe I'll, 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 I'll share in another episode, but I don't think my son was overwhelmed with, you know, the most famous caddy on the PGA tour for whatever reason. I didn't really pick his brain on that. I know Justin Thomas got up to a shitty start and made four bogeys on the front. That might add something um, to do with it. So, you know, it, it was good. I mean, my son got out there and um, in a, in a major arena, you know, with major pressure and handled himself just fine. And I think more importantly, Pearson Cootie got himself in the, into that position and handled himself just fine. And of course you're bummed out, you know, he's like, Oh, I don't even know what those two bogeys cost us financially, but he's quick to correct himself and goes, you know, you know, we were talking, you could have made two bogeys on Thursday or two bogeys on Friday yeah. or two bogeys on Saturday. I think they went through the whole week without a double bogey, which is fucking phenomenal out there because they can hit you fat, fucking fast. I mean, the winner had a triple and a double and still battled back. So it was, it was the proudest, it was the, it, it was the proudest day, the proudest week, you know, of watching my son's career go you know the eclipse the way that it's been going and then the little stumbles he's had in between with players not taking him to the tour and that kind of stuff oh, but, so cool. but but looks like man it's it's god i don't want to shake the boat or anything like that but um when that ball got airmailed on 11 sam hayward came over to me who's lipsky's um caddy and he is a great player himself and he works he's worked for all the best european tour players and he's decided to cut it out here with Lipsky and make some more money as opposed to European tour. But he came over and he goes, bad luck with the first cut jumper that I'm going to say this. He goes, but, and for him to say this to me, he goes, I have not seen that kind of talent that young in my whole life. That's as good as I've ever seen. And granted he caught him on a, on a hot day, but man, what I saw on that Monday and what happened this week is, you, you know, there's ways to, that you can, we'll talk about Akshay Batia finishing second at Puerto Rico and playing his way on. There's ways that these guys can earn a special temporary tour membership. And what that is, that's how Zalatoris got on a couple of years ago. And I think what that is, is as soon as you hit enough FedEx Cup points that would have kept your card the year before, number 125 the year before, you get special temporary status. So, with, they didn't make very many points last week at Honda, but they made some. They made some good points this week. So I, I don't know the details, but they're close. Yeah, to, I was wondering. To getting that. 
they're close. They got to be close. I, I'm sure he'll hear from his agent in the next couple of days. Pearson's gone home. Daniel's here with me because he's doing James Hahn a favor, as we discussed on the last episode. So Daniel's here, here right back in the mix for a $25 million purse. His guy is going to get he's more sponsors. He's living sponsors. the dream. Following God, in dad's footsteps. Can I get some cash, kid? <laughs> He's just smiling at me right now. I'll tell you a funny story, too. We stayed at the Spring Hill Suites together last week. We bought it from a caddy friend of ours. Here's where my son's at financially. He's probably not at that point tonight. But it was $866 for the Spring Hill Suites, 433 a man. So I had a Holiday Inn booked, and I canceled it to buy this hotel room because this is a nicer hotel room than a Holiday Inn, right? So he goes, well, Dad, how much is it? I go, it's it's four hundred so it's four hundred thirty three bucks a guy. So, but you go and you check in, and now it's Disney World area. So it's twenty five dollars a night parking. We have two cars. So I was telling him last night, I go, hey, listen, I'm going to be up early with Troy. I'll go downstairs and um, uh, I'll check out. And I'm like, with parking and everything like that, it's probably going to come up to like six hundred dollars a man. And he looked at me like he saw a ghost. He goes, what? I go, yeah, it's probably going to be $600 a man. We're in a $20 million person who made the cut. It's no big deal. He goes, well, that's all great. But when you tell a guy, it's going to be 400 something. So I had to lay down the math, right? But I think he's okay. I think he's okay. I, th- I think he's going to be just fine. <laughs> yeah, I think he's just, I think he's fine now. I, th- so we're I right think to- he's made more money than you this year. By, by, by 10. <laughs> times 10. How what does are you that feel? About? I know you're proud, but... Well, it doesn't feel bad. I don't want, there's no jealousy whatsoever. There's plenty of caddies that make a lot of money out here that I'm like fucking jealous. And I find, and I reek of that on our shows, if you can't tell, but not with him because I've been a major part of this process. And I, you know, like, like he said before on that episode a couple of weeks ago, he is, you know, he, He's way past being Bobby Brown's son, right? That ended yeah. like two or three years ago. He is a completely different person than me. He thinks that he, he's so far ahead of the game than where I was at 28 years old. It's not even, it's not even close. You know what I mean? This kid's got his shit together and, and the things he says and the respect that he gives people and his conscience and heart. And I could go into it forever as a parent is completely different than I was at that age. And I'm super proud of that that he has his own that he has his own identity you know and because i think he used to get shit the first two couple of years on the corn fair tour where he'd get these good bags and i was helping with that yeah. through my connections and we as were you, you know he was yeah as a parent would do and he was you know you always knew he was going to be a great caddy just from his personality and his easy his easy go attitude and his ability to smile and keep things real and keep things loose but now he's like i said i haven't been involved at all the last three years maybe a random you know man in the arena pep talk when things aren't going good which happens a lot in golf i need one of those pep talks right now from somebody maybe he'll get one to me so it was a it was a a very financially rewarding week for him and as far as me as a parent i mean it was it was one of the greatest weeks i've ever experienced at a golf course i'm so happy that that i rolled out of the rack literally and went and watched them play because that was like super exciting to see them just get it going on that you know, on that grandioso stage and now we're going to another grandioso stage here at the players and i got ever. a quick look yeah i got a quick look at it if you want the rundown it is yeah. absolute mint. it is absolute mint it's been closed for a month only tour players could play the last really? month there's there's not a blade of grass um, out of position the greens are pure i mean it's just absolute mint oh i only saw the front side today i didn't see the back side I'll, we'll see 18 holes tomorrow um they did lengthen number nine by about 15 or 20 yards a par five that wasn't really hittable for it, it is hittable for troy if you catch the right wind but your driver three three wood and keep your fingers crossed so they added some more length to nine they cleared out some stuff they made it more viewer spectator friendly but you know what the big part of this week is don't you every caddy on wednesday steps up to that hole behind you in Gets front of hit. a thousand to a few thousand people have and you been I practicing you a, no i haven't no <laughs> no i haven't swung a club since the holidays when i was going to go play out there with troy after taking about a five or six year break because of the <laughs> Because of my back and 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 last year I hit a shot. Uh, let me just say here here's my stats. Okay, you ready for my stats? <laughs> yeah. uh, this I I've done. I was doing the numbers today. I've taken that shot 15 times. How many times do you think I've hit the green in 15 times? 15 oh, times. And back I'm, in the first. I'm gonna ten, go the seven. First ten, three, fucking three. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's the most nervous. I say the same thing, but two holes away, I start sweating in my palms. Okay. <laughs> I start looking around at all the people that are watching. You gotta practice, I start watching. <laughs> I watch all these caddies with these beautiful golf swings. I know, but I'm so past. I can't do it because of my back. I want to play, but I'm afraid that I'll fuck myself out of $150,000 for the year for one swing. <laughs> so every year I say the same thing when we get here. I'm not taking this fucking shot this year because I'm tired. I mean, I've laid the sod over him before, <laughs> hit it about six yards. I'm almost throwing the club in the water. I should wear like two gloves. I'm so nervous. If anybody Tommy can see left, gloves, of, get in there. left of my best story is left of Matt's earphone over there, about 20 people deep left of the path, I hit this big pole when I was working for Dustin one year and Butch Harmon was there and I hit this pole about 20 yards left of the water over there. And I, it, and I walk up there and I'm looking at the ball. I'm not going to play the ball or anything like that. I just want to know where it is, right? It's in this little old lady's lap. You know what she says to me, the bitch? She says, young man, I've been coming to this caddy kit off. She called it a hit off for about 20 some years. And that's the worst caddy shot I've ever seen in my life. And I think I told this little old 70 year old lady to fuck off. I'm pretty sure I said it like that because Dustin got very upset with me. And so I've hit the green three times. I get nervous as shit. And it's funny. After I walk off that 17th green, after this whole Wednesday anxiety thing, I wish that I had Xanax in the bag. That's the first thing that I wish, because at least I could smile about Where's Scott Piercy when it. you need him? Yeah, where is Scott Piercy when I need him? Yeah, exactly. And uh, and then the next thing I think about when I get to the 18th tee is how did these guys fucking do it, right? Because you call me in for a putt when it matters for a million dollars in front of a million people. I'm in my comfort zone. It doesn't fucking faze me. But you put a club in my hand in front of 800 people standing around like that I want to see caddy shots. I don't fucking know. It's just, oh, it's like the respect that these guys do this for a living blows me away. When you're what? there, what number yeah. do you give your player? Do you just go hit it center of the green? Here's the number to the center. Okay, so here's the deal. That green is about 26 yards deep, right? And there is a slope. The top of the slope is about 15 yards on, right? So every caddy that has any experience there, I'm giving my son a tip right now, although he's caddied in the players before. Um, uh, we have a big X in our book at 13 paces on. So that's slightly below the ridge not on top. So God. whatever pin it is, any veteran there is trying to hit that spot, right? And if they come up a little short on our front pin, great. They're going to have a birdie look. If they come up a little bit long, it could be on the top shelf and vice versa. So you don't really, yeah, you're talking about pin number and that kind of stuff, but any experienced caddy is going, the number we want to hit, that because there's a lot of things that go into that shot, and I'm because the wind is crazy back in that corner, you can have that flag behind you sitting on the tee going one way, and you can be looking to your flag to match right, which is 16 of the par 5. Those are going one way, and those grandstands behind Matt to the left where I pulled that ball that one year, they're going another way. So you have to pay quite a quite good attention to it all the way coming down 16. And it doesn't help because your anxiety builds up as you're playing 16 too, right? Because you're anticipating this shot. Um, you, you know, I've learned a lot of guys don't hit a chippy club or a feely club there. They like to hit up, you know, the ball can fly far there when they're juiced up and amped up. But you, let's, let's say if you had one, one nineteen front and, and it's the front right pin and it's five on, it's a buck 24, but you're really trying to hit it to my X, which is 132 or something like that. So that's pretty much the only secret to that. It's, it's, a, it's a hell of a finish, man. You can get 16. You can get 16. There's no doubt about it. But 17 and then you roll to 18, which is probably, you know, one of the hardest tee shots on the PGA Tour. You know, last year, remember, we had that horrible, horrible cold snap and rain that, and we got stacked up and we didn't. We didn't – I don't think we caught until Saturday afternoon, but Troy – I don't know if you remember I told you the story, but Troy was about two behind the cut line with three to play. We had to come out at 7 o'clock in the morning. It was literally 31 degrees. We're wearing five layers, and Troy bunts a driver down there, and we have three wood into 16. And it's the greatest three wood other than Bill Haas's I saw at Riviera one year on 17. And when this, when this ball left the club, I fucking said the house sucked be the right club today because I knew we had to go birdie birdie par to finish right and he stuffs a three wood in there to about four feet from fucking 267 in the freezing cold and then he comes right back to 17 and he stuffs it in there to three feet and now all of a sudden we're two 
better than the cut number, the projected cut number. And we all know where his drive's going on 18, right? Right into the fucking right rock or the right trees where it's supposed to go. And as Troy would tell you, he made a net par, but he made a he made a five there. And we played the weekend and actually played okay on the weekend here last year. I want to say we started on the back because of the weather. We had to do threesomes off of two tees, not your normal two balls on the East Coast, especially in a big tournament off of one tee. And I'm going to say we birdied the first four or five holes in a row on Sunday and made a charge up into the top 20 there and um, uh, made a few, two or three bogeys coming home. But we, I don't, I don't know where we finished. I'm going to say we finished probably anywhere from 35th to 42nd, somewhere around there. So, but I'm looking forward to it. Troy's made the cut here a bunch. We're looking to get things moving forward. Um, Sung Jay didn't win last week, and that made me – not that I ever root against Sung Jay, you know, but when you're on a bag and then you go back to your regular guy, you're like, oh, this guy's probably going to win. That's just the way it goes and that kind of stuff. And Sung Jay stumbled. Sung Jay stumbled home, uh, was playing pretty good today, made a uh, – it's funny. I texted his caddy, uh, Lance, and he hit it right in the water on 17. Remember wow. I was telling you about that week, right, Miss? Yeah. He has. And he, he double bogeyed that and ended up finishing 21st or something like that. But I'm excited, man. Golf is good. This is the – this is the peak of our season right now, you Bobby, know? I think you're going to have a great week. I think, Yeah, I do too. You know, it's got to be some comfort to Troy, especially to have a guy like you with the knowledge yeah. that you have, the experience that you have, to all of a sudden say, you know what? Here, I'm going to let you kind of take over. And I look at it like this, and I've always – I've always thought that caddies are head coaches, just like in other sports. Sure. And sure. you guys don't get enough respect in terms sure. of from the media and so forth, but you guys are technically the head coach. And if players yeah. just followed suit, it takes so much pressure off of them, allows yeah. them just to yeah. follow instructions yeah. and execute yeah. what you're asking yeah. them to rather than trying to do everything themselves. Because as you know, yeah. golf is fucking hard. Because when you yeah. hit it into his lady's lap and it's a 60-plus yard miss, it yeah. probably was the crappiest shot she's ever seen. Yeah, yeah, it probably was, but fuck off, bitch. I didn't, it felt so good. Don't those pulls feel so good? Oh, my I'm God. Like, oh, it feels like you flushed it. Yeah. Absolutely flushed it. I mean, you just turn that face down. It feels like it's coming off the center of the face. That thing just starts yeah. going yeah. left and left, a.k.a. pull hook golf. So... With oh, that said, we got to pick some players here, Bobby. The good old penny back yeah, we for the do. players. And uh, you have to I go first really... because you actually won yeah, the penny bag. I you did. went and you went with the savage pick of Rory McIlroy last week. I had Keith yeah. Mitchell, who Real Keith actually one. played really well. Yeah, he did. He hung in there. It was a it was a close match. It was a close match for the first couple of days. It we were was. right next to each other. You, you might have been leading, but I squeaked you. I'm down to four thousand pennies, and I get to pick first. Yep. And I'm going to change it up a little bit this week, and I am going to pick Rory McIlroy again. Gosh darn it! Because <laughs> I didn't think about this. I didn't think about this. Can I give everybody a little <laughs> sneaky long shot for no rhyme, no reason? Yeah, sure. A sneaky. I mean, I'm talking a million to one that that might be worth a dollar for some people. Doug Gim plays here, fucking fantastic. And I've been I've been with him a couple years. You're when right. He, I'm gonna Good say he top ten, any top twenty. He was. I think he was leading after three days a couple years ago. So I like Doug Gim as if. Courses for courses, long shot. You know, when you get out this course, we we talked on it episodes before that how the first two or three years you play out here as a maybe not player so much, but as a caddy, you're like this fucking Pete die, this fucking golf course and that kind of stuff. But <laughs> after about four years or five or six years, you I, I've learned his angles and his whole mind fuck strategy off the tee. I was I was daydreaming about it today on on a couple of the holes out there, and I'm like, oh my god! I remember when I first set up this tee, and I'm like, where do you hit this right? because everything is masqueraded and blindfolded with slopes and mouths and stuff like that and then you get out there and you're like oh man there's 40 yards out there so it's always it's always exciting to deal with this golf course and and pete die so i'm gonna take rory mcelroy who you got i'm gonna steal a guy that uh you were talking about last week keegan mm. bradley mm. good pick yeah. yeah this is a good pick that this is going to be a good one. That's going to be a good one for sure. But we're going to keep it at one thousand pennies because you tried to bait me in last week and to get more because I think you were going to you were going to work me in Puerto Rico on your guy <laughs> Akshay Batia, which you know we were talking about special temporary membership for those of you who just paid attention to that. Akshay Batia just finished second in Puerto Rico today. 
Um, I think he was 19 under Nick Nick Echevarria, a guy, a kid from Columbia, who, if I'm not mistaken, was on the Corn Ferry Tour for six years. Only made rookie year this year, gets up, only makes two cuts, and then he wins an off event in Puerto Rico for six or seven hundred thousand. But more importantly, it's two years. It's two years of status, right, in a winner's category. He's going to Maui to start the year, and Akshay is now a PGA Tour member or special member where he's going to get in a bunch of events. He won't get in all the big ones. Um, remember the Monday qualifier we were talking about last week at Honda? Ryan Girard, who finished fourth, also got into um, Puerto Rico this year. He was he played good all week. He was tied for 10th. I think there was one group or two groups left. Harry Hall birdied the last hole to knock him to 11, oh. so he won't get a top 10 that rolls into Tampa. But I did read today that he is only two points away from getting special temporary membership. So I don't look for Gerard to be playing on the Corn Ferry Tour anymore. Actually, I'm hoping that, you know, some sponsors noticed who he was and he'll pick up a couple spots possibly in some events, which I'm sure he will. And if I'm him, you just chase Monday qualifiers, right? Because if yeah. you Monday qualify once and you make the cut, you got special temporary membership. And hopefully I think that's I'm, – and I'm pretty sure I don't know a lot about anything that Pearson Cootie is going to be joining that category here pretty soon. So for all you people that think that we lost a boatload to live, there is a boatload coming, and we oh know it. Oh, my goodness. All There's the so much guns are coming. God. Yeah, it's almost like a little fresh change into the guard now. You know, you, you see all this fresh blood. Guys, you never heard of, and and you I know, love that we, I turned you into a believer of Akshay Batia. Well, I would I don't know why I wasn't. <laughs> well, I no, wasn't you were correct. By the way. No, you were correct. Yeah. His swing was a little loose. Yeah, yeah. But he tightened it up, and that's yeah. what I started to see. And once he was into the Honda Classic, I'm like, well, one, he's won there as a junior. That wasn't really the reason. But whenever you win any at any golf course, it means you can play it well. So yeah. then you look at the golf swing, and his golf swing was right on line, and it it's no longer loose anymore. Like right. he sets it right. a little bit earlier and gets it right yeah. in position, and you can see. I mean, kids playing some really good golf. Yeah, I mean, he skips college. He was highly regarded from the time he was fifteen or sixteen years old. Obviously, he proved uh, he's had the game. I'll tell you a funny story about a, cre a creeper. A creeper, a little funny story about him. He got his first spot, I'm going to say, when he was 16 or 17 in Jackson, Mississippi. This is three or four years ago. I don't even remember who I was caddying with, but I was standing on a putting green. It's a mass putting green there with, with, our, boy, with our boy Matt Every, right? And there's this hot, dark-skinned chick, and that's not meant to be racist whatsoever. She's about 80 yards away from us. Very well endowed, very pretty, very attractive, wearing some very form-fitting look-at-me clothes. And she's on the putting green, right? So you I'm sitting next to Matt. I go, to her I go, I, I know if anybody's going to know who she could listen to this story. If anybody's going to know who the hot chick around the putting green is, Matt, Every's going to fucking know. And he's going to give you the rundown. I go, who the fuck is that? I hope Lori's not listening to this. Who the fuck is that? And he goes, that is fucking Akshay Batia's sister. Look at her out there fishing for a PGA tour pro. And, and now I'm staring at her for like 10 minutes. She's, flexing the boobs out and the booty out and everything you know and i'm like oh they come from a wealthy family anyways i think the both of the mom and the dad or imagine the last name batia and both mom and yeah. dad are doctors yeah that's a big shock so you know pretty highly educated and so i went to um uh hung out with matt somewhere and he's like let's check out her instagram listen to us for 40 and 50 year old men checking out the instagram of a 20 something and uh she ain't afraid to flaunt it so i throw i thought i'd throw in that little female piece there akshay batia has good genes and i haven't seen her his sister around anymore so maybe she was a distraction a little bit i'm not sure so off the path he's like there, hey man. sis can you uh yeah, stop yeah, coming out yeah. to events <laughs> you strap those things down and everybody's looking at you out here yeah we got a dress code out here <laughs> anyways anyways what else well we got the changes going on we were talking about yeah. james Hahn, and obviously yeah. uh daniel's going to be jumping on his bag this week and yeah just for a week yeah he yeah. uh he's uh, was very pointed about the yeah. upcoming changes around the pga tour for the 2024 season so yeah. if you if everybody doesn't know the pga tour is creating these smaller field events there's going to be no cuts and there's going to be very mm -hmm. high payouts. Um, mm -hmm. And you can kind of work your way into these events. I mean, I want to get your take being with somebody who, well, you know, 
kind of would be technically out of that kind of yeah, smaller we would field be, we'd group. Be, we would be way out of that. And that's why there's such a sense of urgency. Um, I didn't, I read, I know there's a player meeting tomorrow or Tuesday where they're going to really finalize all the details and come out with a firm possible schedule and what events are, are what, but honestly, in my, my opinion on that would, you know, would be based on who I'm working for at the time, right? Yeah. If I'm working for a Dustin Johnson style type player at this time, fucking bring it, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's more money. But if I work for a guy like Troy Merritt, it's like, oh, the rich get richer and that kind of stuff. And it's going to be difficult for us to play our way in. I know they make it sound like you can play your way in off a of previous week, but I don't know really all the details yet, but I can tell you that, I read James's article last night. James is very intelligent and very outspoken. And I know that you've been getting bombarded to get him back on the show. And we probably need to do that in the very near future because James calls a spade a spade. But everything he said made sense to me. And Troy, Troy was in the car with me for two and a half hours driving there. And we were talking about that. And we were talking about Peter Malnati, who basically took James Hong's yeah. spot on the packboard, right? And Peter Malnati is known as the nicest guy out here. He's the, the player's guy, right? But apparently there's some bad blood because he flipped on the vote. Did you read the Ooh. article? He flipped on the vote and voted for this to go through, which, which guys like Troy Merritt or James Hahn would have hoped. Not that it, it was going to pass no matter what, but uh, we're hoping that he would vote the other way just to make a point that, hey, yeah, if I'm one of these big guys, of course I love this schedule, but if I'm a normal guy, now all of a sudden my – my scheduling changes and I'm not playing for as much money. And, and now it's mathematically harder for me to get into these big events. But you know what I thought the funny, the, uh, the, the funny thing that was cracking me up was like Lee Westwood and Ian Poulter and all the lid people were like, Oh, wonder where you got this from. Right. But the fact is, is where do you think they got it from? The fact is, is that we play plenty of no cut events out here every year up until this year, right? We start with Maui, which is a no cut event, right? Yeah. We had WGCs, Matt, that were no cut events. The second playoff event that we have is a no cut event with 70 guys. So we've been doing this for years for, for four to six events. So it's not like we just knocked them off. Did they like your XFL thing? Did they bring some good things into the mix that we're yeah. missing out on? hundred percent they did hundred percent they did but we we just have a stronger product and now we're you know we're molding it the way it needs to be with another competitive you know you can call it a competitive tour because it really is a competitive tour you know but my point was was westwood and and Poulter getting all butthurt, like, oh, we're cracking up because, you know, you're copy basically you're copying us and, and world rankings and cuts. And uh, the first thing that went through my mind, and I'm like, no, nah, actually, we've been, you know, it, it's funny when uh, the early years that I worked for Dustin, um, um, half of his wins were in no cut events or 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 rain shortened events, you know, that were 54 holes or something like that. So I don't think they can take props for starting the whole thing. Um, James Hahn has... I love that they want credit for it, Bobby. I love that right. they, they're like, oh, you guys owe us now. And it's like, yeah, you, that wasn't right. the purpose you went over there. Right. You went over there because right. you got a boatload of money. Yeah, exactly. It had nothing to do with anything else but the almighty dollar, yeah. right? The absolute You weren't trying dollar. to change the PGA yeah. Tour. <laughs> I, was, I was cracking up when this leaderboard, too, because I was looking at some stuff, and there's a guy uh, – you know, one of the best announcers ever was Peter Alice, right? The, the, mm -hmm. the, uh, the European announcer with that wonderful voice. And he always said, lovely. And, and as kid, as, as kids or as young men, we woke up in the morning to watch the British open at six in the morning to hear Peter Alice's voice calling a U.S. open at a track that we'd only dream of playing, right? He just set the stage so eloquently, so to speak. But there's a guy, a knockoff guy on Twitter. He's called, it's called Tweeter Alice, right? And when that leaderboard went up Friday, and it's Rory and it's it, and it's Xander and it's Scotty and it's all the names that it's supposed to be at Bay Hill. He said, did you read this? He goes, wow, what a lovely leaderboard. The only missing are the other two top players in the world, Pat Perez and Peter Uline. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a, I got a, I got oh, a little kick hilarious. out of that. But I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing James on this week. I'm going to go out to dinner with him one night and I'll probably get some more information from him. But I, I guess I'll tell you that a guy like Troy Merritt, we talked about it. And I heard him and Kevin Strillman talking about it on the range, I'm going to say, on Thursday before the round. And they were mumbling about Malnati. And I didn't know what they said, what they were talking about 
you know, I didn't know about the vote until I read James's little piece. And, uh, but I'm going to tell you a guy like my guy, like Troy Merritt's probably not, is not, I'm not speaking for him, but he's not happy. It's just like that players only meeting yeah. that they had in Delaware for the second event. These, these guys make up nine, the, the nine, the, the 90% of the PGA tour that are fantastic golfers that, you know, that I don't want to say get pushed aside, but everything is, is done for a reason out here. Right. I don't know how happy any mid pack player could be with something like that. But, you know, like Troy said, the bottom line is play better, right? That solves all those problems and anybody from whining about everything. And I'm not saying James is whining, you know, play better, but it's the rich get richer. Let's be honest. It really is. It, it makes it easier for them to know Mm -hmm. that one of the top guys are going to win a golf tournament. Right. Right. And that they're all going to get paid. Right. And I get, from their perspective and that's where it's the rich get richer but one of the best parts of the pga tour is when it a rocco media can go up against tiger woods yeah in a u.s yeah, exactly. open and yeah like, take it down like i'm using that as an example but there's yeah. been plenty of pga tour events to where like the guy who everybody doesn't necessarily know like everybody knew rocco media but it wasn't at the caliber right. of a tiger woods right and right. that's where you get the underdog. You get the Rocky Balboa story right. of, right. hey, this guy just took out John Rahm. Or when it comes to uh, Kirk Kitayama, right? I mean, yeah. he yeah. all of a sudden took out Rory McIlroy and held him yeah. off. It's like, that's a great, a beautiful guys. story. Yeah. And right. it changes his entire outlook, his entire uh, career kind of moving forward. And it's like gosh, are we going to lose out on that? And I really feel like, okay, you everybody bit. pushed for this, let's make sure all the top guys are playing against each other because that's what right. the fans want to see, right? They, they portrayed yeah. this yeah. whole thing, and it's worked for the elevated purses, right? Mm-hmm. All the yeah. big guys are playing in it's all been a hit. the it's been a big hit. events. Why do we have to go further than that? Why do we need yeah. to all of a sudden now go to these smaller fields, no cuts and everything. And it's like, you're right, Bobby. It is just for the top guys. And that's what I thought that Tiger Indoor League was going to be, which that's fine. Like, that's kind of a side deal. Yeah, that's a side deal. I'm not a huge fan of this of these changes i'm kind of with james hahn on it to where it's like well you're kind of changing the dynamic and you're just creating yeah. a feeder tour in addition yeah. to like this smaller tour yeah yeah and i think the, the biggest point that i liked about what james said was he's like listen if you're a top level guy and you get off form you can add events right you can go play yeah. in the other events and get off form he goes but it doesn't work the other way for us mid-pack guys that aren't in that number we can't add an event right we have to play what we have to play like they can dip down and add an event or if if they're going to take off one of those big events you know because they only have to play in so many they can add it but i don't he doesn't feel like it's a two-way street and i totally understand so they'll they'll be you know we'll have plenty to talk about next tuesday because this big player meeting happens tomorrow or tuesday where i think we're going to get a schedule and stuff like that so we got to start playing better golf you know, yeah. you know, because the fact is this year, only the top 70 make the playoffs and we are 112 right now, worse than he's been in a long, long time. We're certainly not out of it because there's so much golf left. But now all of a sudden, you know, we're talking about, OK, are we adding Reno? You know, do you add Reno? Do you add an event or two? Because the top 70 are in the playoffs no matter what. Right. And for people that don't know. And then 71 through 200 play for number 71 through 125 for status during the fall. Now, the guys that finished in the top 70, if they wanted to play in some fall events, they can, but they're only playing for the money or or the trophy, right, which is what most guys play for. But they're not going to get any points from it. It's not going to improve. It's not going to improve their ranking whatsoever. So uh, I'll have a better, better handle on it and more specifics. I'll talk to James by, by the time we meet next week, and I'll give us – I'll give you some. I'll, I'll give you some more information. When is that? My when is that? Mayakoba. When is that Dove Mountain Tucson thing coming up? Does that come up the two week weeks. of two weeks? So it's the week after this week. Yeah. The same week as Tampa, right? Yep. Okay. So we got so we got a little live to talk about too. So <laughs> this is our shortest show ever for the for the newlyweds. Or what are you going to call this? The newlywed show. The newlywed episode. The newlywed episode. <laughs> 
The continuing rise the, of it's Pearson the, Foodie and Daniel Gregory. <laughs> the kid, and I turned on the TV too, and the kid got a shout out from Paul Azing, or made me so proud. He's like, that was this cool. Is Pearson, this is Pearson Cootie. He's got a lot. You know, Paul. I told you I love Paul. A lot yeah. of people don't love Paul, but he's like a big kid. He's just so excited to be around golf. He doesn't get the respect he deserves, right? No, he, he was doesn't. a fucking stud. Won a he British was. Open. You know, God, he was just a fucking stud. He was a baller to watch. But he's, but it just made me so happy. He's like, I was talking to his caddy, Daniel Gregory, on the range. And only my son would say, make this comment. I, he was just super excited to be working for Pearson Cootie. What a perfect thing to yeah. say, right? Been working for him ever since he turned pro. And, you know, that's, that's, that's just a short and sweet, simple, simple answer from probably a very nervous caddy on the range talking to a, a famous announcer for the first time, which is probably going to happen for Daniel a lot more. I think when you, start escalating into a, 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 a bigger caddy, so to speak, and that kind of stuff. You know, I think I don't see my, I, I see a lot of caddies that do a lot of talking to media. Um, when Dustin first started getting hot, I thought it was cool. And then you get misquoted a couple of times or things don't go your way. And the media guys who you're friends with are fucking trashing you in articles. So I kiboshed that um, uh, a long time ago. And plus I don't, nobody really wants to talk to me after Troy Merritt misses a few cuts in a row. That's for sure. But I could see my my son being the other way, being like the kind of guy like, hey, my player's going to do the talking and, you know, I'm here to, you know, do what I do best. So anyways, it well, was Bobby, a good I'm week. expecting a big week out of you. My goodness. Yeah, thank you. This is, this is your week this week. I am pumped for you because you. the eye of the tiger is back, folks. Troy's going to be leaning on you. Head coach yes. Bobby Brown is coming in. Two weeks. Strong. Two weeks. I get strong. to strong. For two weeks, I told you what our deal was. Uh, we're not enough focus on the practice round. So I go, we're going to do this birdie bogey game, right? So if he, let's say he makes four bogeys and two birdies for every one that I win, every one of those bogeys, not that I want him to make bogeys, <laughs> but I told him that's 10 minutes of practice time after we finish a practice round. And I get to dictate what we worked on, which I'm used to doing with guys like Brandon Steele, Kyle Stanley, Jason Kokrak, even Dustin back in the day, where I know what's missing or what isn't sharp. So I'm going to be able to get him out there for, 20 minutes to, you know, hit hundred yard shots or hit fairway bunker shots. So, and that's where I specialize. I like that kind of stuff. I like being involved in stuff like that because you get to see, you get to see the hard work pay off. And, and I think Troy lost, uh, Troy lost sight of that a little bit. You know, he lost sight of that. So always learning Matt. always learning, bro. Love it, Bobby. Have a great week, my okay. man. Hey, have a great honeymoon. Congratulations to you and the missus. And we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Bobby. Okay. See you, buddy. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Season 2 of the Pull Hook Golf Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe and go to www.pullhookgolf.com for more information.